The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, first of all, y'all have heard this proverb before? Charity begins at home. You've heard that? Okay, kids, you need to write this down. You're writing this down because next time you're negotiating allowance or, you know, you need money for some, something, mom, dad, charity begins at home. Uh, if, if you're going to exercise that, actually, our text today is going to lead us more to this idea right here is that Christianity bring, uh, begins at home. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3 today, first 12 verses. We're going to read through that in a couple minutes, talk through that. I should say, this is a little bit, I, I'm, I mentioned already, I'm pretty excited about the coming weeks because, I mean, who, what pastor wouldn't be? Next week is Palm Sunday, and then the week after that is Easter. If a pastor can't get excited about talking on Easter, he really just needs to lie down, you know, let them, uh, let, just get out of the way. And we are going to, two weeks from today, we are just going to celebrate the resurrection. We're going we're gonna to lift that up. The cornerstone of everything that we believe, without it, they said our faith is completely in vain. That's what the Bible says. So we're just going to celebrate that Christ is risen, that death has been defeated. Uh, I mean, I'm excited about talking about that. Now, next week will be a little bit different for Palm Sunday because of the fact that we're doing the family adventure thing. That's not the right word. The family Easter walkthrough fun time of journey. I couldn't get that word to save my life. Uh, but because we're doing that on Friday evening, we won't have the regular Good Friday service. So we are going to do the Lord's Supper next week as part of Palm Sunday at the end. And then uh, that, that little journey that we go on, we did that a few years back. I think it's a great time for the family just to uh, you know, focus on the things of the Lord while having a good time. So you want to sign up for that, and, and especially it's, it's primarily for families with kids. Or if, if you want to come and adopt a family, I guess you could do that. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I think that'll be a great time on Friday evening, and then the service course on Easter Sunday is two weeks from today at 1030. Uh, we're going to have to crank in a few extra chairs here, I think, because, you know, this is this is getaway weekend or whatever this, what I say this was called? You've been left behind Sunday? Yeah, when everybody comes back, we're, we're going to fill it up, and we'll have a great time rejoicing and celebrating. Now, so that's kind of like, those are like real, like, preachy messages that we have coming up. Today is kind of a teachy thing, okay? In fact, I almost thought about grabbing the stool and just sitting down. Let me talk to you all today uh, like that. We won't do that. We'll, we'll keep a little intensity up here, but we're going to teach through the first 12 verses and talk about some of the ideas of uh, uh, some meaning of the words there and just kind of grab the whole idea of what's going on. And then we're going to go back and uh, grab some principles out of these five verses that I think can really help us in life. We have been, and going through Peter, we've been talking about this idea that this is about new life in Christ. What we're looking at today is some of the nitty-gritty, some of the specifics. Hey, here's what this new life looks like. Are you ready? Have you ever been more excited in your entire adult life? Okay, here we go. Uh, first thing, verse number one, this is chapter three of 1 Peter. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. What a great start. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Now, if you can't get excited about somebody preaching about submission, uh, you, you know, we should have put that on the sign. We'd have been packed out today. Talking about submission, we, we love that whole concept. Let's finish reading and, and come back and talk about that for just a minute here. So that even if some of you do not obey in word, uh, 
that'd be the husbands, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later when we're talking about the principles of the, the importance of respect there. But uh, just let's, let's talk for a minute about submission, okay? And the ideas the Scripture teaches about submission because there's a couple things we need to remember when we see that. Uh, again, the whole uh, subject, submit, uh, be in submission, lovely. People get so excited to hear that. Uh, but remember a couple things. One is, um, in the culture of the time, Okay, I do want you to remember this, uh, that it would have been unthinkable for a wife to take a religion different than her husband. Okay, it would have been. Okay, wait, I mean, that would have been an insult, a public insult. Now, wait a minute. You know, I worship this God over here. My wife doesn't follow me. That would have been an insult. Keep that in mind as, as we talk about that. I also want you to remember that when the Bible talks about submission, um, it is not in any way going against the idea of equality. Okay, now let me explain for a second. Uh, we believe in the, what we call the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All are equal parts God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. They are all equally God. The Bible makes that very clear. And yet, you find in the Bible where the Son will submit to the Father, and, and even though the Son says, I will tell the Holy Spirit, and He will do that, the Holy Spirit will submit to Him in that way. It is not a question of one being better or higher than somebody else. It is, a, it is simply a matter of the different roles that they have. And our submission, in many cases, can be an incredible uh, testimony or a powerful expression of our trust in God. That's actually a good statement. It wasn't mine, so let me read it again. Uh, our submission can be a powerful expression of our trust in God. It is not an attack against equality. And also remember this, it, submission is never an absolute. What I mean by that is we cannot use submission as excuse for sin. I'm going to sin because I'm in submission. I'm going to do it like that. I want to obey God first. It's not an absolute. And keep, I wanted to mention this briefly too. If you follow the news a lot as far as the church goes, sadly, the whole idea of pastors who become too authoritarian, I don't know how else to say that, but they're basically, they're requesting or demanding blind loyalty we really need to run from that. Uh, Francis and I were sitting there with TV on last night, and they were advertising about a uh, series that's coming out on, on mainline TV. They were advertising about a series that's coming out on a church, and they were talking about, we're going to investigate, an investigative series. They were advertising that. And I know that part of what they're investigating is pastors who think, you know, they forget that this is the authority. Okay, this is the authority. My job is to try to dig into it and teach it and explain it as best I can. I am not the authority. Okay, and sometimes pastors get a little confused about that. So the whole idea of blind loyalty is not what is called for when we talk about submission. Now, again, we're going we're gonna to come back to that in a little bit here, but I, I did want you to remember uh, the, you know, some of those ideas as we move forward from submission. Next phrase comes in verse number three. Do not let the, your adorning be external. Some of you might have a translation that would say merely external. The braiding of hair, the putting on of gold and jewelry and clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. 
uh, you are probably aware of the fact that, we'll say different churches sometimes look at this first part differently. The braiding in the hair, the putting on gold jewelry, some folks would see this as a, a prohibition of makeup. Some see it as let, let me. A few years ago, we got a phone call here at church. A lady called. She said, hey, uh, uh, I need to talk to Debbie. I don't know who Debbie was. Uh, I said, I don't really know Debbie. She said, yeah, you do. She works there. <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, I've missed her, but, uh, but I couldn't convince her Debbie didn't work there. And she said, Debbie, she has her hair up in a bun, and she always wears jean skirts. And uh, some of you, not, and I don't mean this in mockery in any way, but some of you know exactly the problem. She was a couple miles down the road here. Uh, and right away when she said that, I knew that she was, uh, yeah, Debbie must go to the Pentecostal church and had worked there. And uh, that is gonna, because I think they would say, hey, we see this as more of a prohibition. Uh, it is obvious when you walk in here, we don't see this as a prohibition on you know designer clothes or makeup or fixing your hair or anything like that. But let's not miss what it does say is that, okay, remember we talked about this idea in the Old Testament. We have the temple of God. It's ornate. It's beautiful, everything like that. Well, in the New Testament, what's the temple of God? Right here. It says, hey, here's how we make this beautiful and attractive. Let's not do it with uh, merely external things because those things fade. Look at that idea. Imperishable beauty is what we want, not the beauty of the fades. Sadly, we must confess that as we get older, sometimes our beauty fades a little bit. I, someday that may happen to me. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, at the same, but we, we understand that idea. God says the temple of God, the temple of God, let's adorn it in that, which, in that beauty that lasts forever, that inner spirit of, of trusting in him. And, uh, okay, make good sense? Okay, that's what he's saying. That's the priority as far as God is concerned. That incorruptible beauty is how we are to adorn the temple of God. Let's go on, 5 and 6. This is how holy women who hoped in God, there's that, that concept of their hope is in God, a great way to show their trust, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah, Sarah bade Abraham, calling him Lord. That would be the first application is from now on, I would like all wives to call their husband. <laughs> yeah, you know that's going to go over big time. Uh, by the way, I should say this real quickly on this. If you are around my wife and I, we have a kind of a weird thing where we address each other a lot of times as Mr. Thomas and Mrs. Thomas. It, is, it totally goes to the fact that when we first started ministry, we worked at a school. And so, therefore, I was 22 years old. I was... Uh, Mr. Thomas, which is kind of weird for a 22-year-old. Uh, and then my wife was 20, and she was Mrs. Thomas. Okay, so the, and we, for some reason, we adopted that, and we continue that to this day at home. I'll walk in at night and say, hey, Mrs. Thomas, how you doing? You say, that's weird. Okay, I just wanted to tell you that in case you hear her say Mr. Thomas, and you think, he makes her call her. Uh, what, what's the deal with that? Uh, but, uh, but Peter writes here, and he gives us a great example. He says, um, he points us to this lady named Sarah. And that is worth us taking a look at, as worth you taking a look at if you want to know what the example was. Sarah was not in any way what you would call a doormat if you study her life. Okay? Sarah was not that at all. What Sarah did, however, is through her faithfulness and through her submission to a husband that was less than perfect. 
understatement. I mean, Abraham, come home. Honey, we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. God hasn't told me yet, but pack up. Uh, can you imagine how well that, that line would go? Sarah, through her faithfulness and even through her submission to that husband, think about what, how God used that and what he accomplished. Even through that line came the Savior, Jesus Christ. There's so many other ways we could dig into that. But say, hey, this is your example right here, Sarah. Now, let's, let's go on. Uh, verse number seven, likewise husbands. Oh, remember I said about the culture of the time, this is where the message gets really radical. See, in the culture of the time, for somebody to talk about the wife submitting, that wasn't radical. For somebody to talk about the husbands having responsibilities, that would have been radical. And some of you remember this from your old world history classes and, and everything, is that uh, in the culture of that time, Women really didn't have rights. They had responsibilities. Men had rights in many of the cultures of ancient history. So this is somewhat radical to talk about a man having, yeah, where are we going with this? <laughs> you know, I don't think I like that church. I kind of like having my rights, not my responsibilities. We'll dig into these a little bit more. But your wife, uh, you are to live with your wife in an understanding way. Or you might have a translation that says, according to knowledge. As the weaker vessel, uh, hopefully that is not an offensive statement, kind of dug into it, and there are some that think it you know, talks that, that carries the idea that they are to be cherished. I think it does that, but as I look at it, I think it is largely just talking about physical strength, the weaker vessel. Um, and again, I have no desire to be offensive on that in any way. I ref upward games, okay? First two hours are girls, and then the boys come out there. I'm sorry, but somebody turns up the knob uh, like that. You know, it takes me at least a period to catch up to the boys uh, because I was moving at a nice pace and it, and it kind of went crazy. Here's, here's a little fun fact I can, I can offend some of you with. Do you know that I think it was 1954, Roger Bannister won the first, uh, I'm sorry, ran the first four-minute mile? Okay, fun fact. Since then, sorry. This is my offensive fact of the day. Uh, 1,663 people have run the four-minute mile since 1954. Do you know how many of them are women? Zero. I'm sorry. Now, again, I'm not trying to be insulting, and I really am not. I'm just saying we got to figure here you know, what might be said. Hopefully that is not an offensive idea that men generally are stronger uh, physically. Okay. Anyway, since there are... They are, oh, I love this phrase. I forgot to even put this in my notes. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, treating your wife as though they are my sister in Christ also. You know, sometimes we talk about that whole idea of Christianity uh, beginning at home. I mean, sometimes, you know, we understand I'm supposed to be nice to people outside of home, but we forget about it at home. If I treat my wife as my sister in Christ, we are joint heirs to the grace of life. Sorry, that was good. I just, I just remembered that. Uh, and so their, their prayers might not be hindered. We're going to come back to that idea right there. Okay, husbands, do this that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you have a unity of mind. A unity of mind is not, does not mean we're going to all agree on everything. Okay, but if we are pursuing having the mind of Christ that the Bible talks about, we're going to be in better shape there. Finally, all of you having unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind, do not, we've talked about this, uh, I believe, last week, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless uh, for those of you who are called that you may obtain a blessing for whoever, 
We're, we're quoting here, whoever desires to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, that, that last idea there is actually the first concept that I want us to, to pull out of this text a little bit. And uh, I want to start... Um, just by reading it to you, and then we'll support it a little bit, and then we'll come back and talk about it a little bit. We cannot separate right living from effective prayer. Okay, stay with me on that. Why would I say something like that? Well, I can read James 5.16, which says the, the prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Some of you memorize that in the King James Version. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Remember that? Somebody, come on, somebody's with me on that. Okay, now, uh, in Isaiah, which Isaiah, they, they were all about worship and gathering together. It says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my face from you, even though you make many prayers. I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Okay? Now, in Psalm 40, uh, 24, 3, if I have cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened if I had done that. 66, 16, who shall send to the holy hill the Lord? He that shall stand in the holy place. He that has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Now, let me uh, I'll tell you what. We're going to remember Jonah in a second here, but let's, let's think about this phrase. I, I want to make sure we talk through this for a second. Because what I do not want to do is give you the, this idea that somehow when I do good, I build up like this little surplus of tokens. I'm going to cash into God to get my prayers answered. Okay? And, uh, and I, I hear a lot of people sometimes when they are struggling and why isn't God answering my prayer? It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to change this. God, I'm going to make you this deal. Remember, we are in a relationship of grace. God is good to us because he is good. We're not building up our supply of tokens to cash in and get God to do what we want. And this is an important statement. Prayer is always going to be more about me bending my will to him than him bending his will to me. So it's not like, boy, if I just behave a certain way, I'm going to get God to do what I want. I don't want you to play that game. I don't want you to get into this religion and this relationship to, uh, to God that is all based on works and what I do. However, I think of all the verses we looked at and in the text that we saw when it talked about uh, the man do this so that your prayers uh, can be heard and that the last verse we looked at in 12 and all these different verses, I don't think we can deny this statement right here. Okay, there is a definitely a relationship there uh, that is connected as far as righteous living is tied in there to effective prayer. Now, if I think of effective prayer as getting what I want, I probably don't understand effective prayer very well. But if I understand, and, and listen, I'll say this too. God most definitely hears the prayers of imperfect people. If he didn't, we're wasting our time, right? Okay, but at the same time, somebody who is cherishing their sin... And walk in like that. Think about what that does to the relationship. I mean, even just any relationship that you have. If my wife and I, you know, if I have been nasty to her or, you know, we've exchanged harsh words, you know, communication is broken down there. I don't want to be living my life with my communication to God broken down. I want to be, I want to have an effective prayer. I want to have it for my family. Okay? Um, I 
the slide before this, I had written the words, remember Jonah. Some of you remember the story of Jonah, the prophet's on the run from God, and he's there, and you know the people in the boat are kind of like, hey, you're the prophet, you're the man of God. But he was a useless man of God because he was, the, he was running from God. Okay, so he wasn't going to be of any help, so chuck him overboard. Uh, get him overboard, he's out of the way. I don't want to be that. I want to have an effective walk, a communication, a relationship with God so that my prayer life is effective. Again, I'm not, I hope I'm making any sense. I don't want to give you the impression, oh, okay, wait a minute, you're not getting your prayers answered? There must be sin in your life, okay? I'm not playing that game, okay? God calls us to a relationship and a walk of grace. He blesses us because he's good, not because I'm good. I'm not building up a cachet of good behavior that I'm going to cash in and say, hey, God, now you owe me, okay? He's God. Okay, that's not, that's not how it goes. But there is obviously in Scripture, this is true. We cannot separate right living from effective prayer. I mean, it's, I can't argue with that. I just see that over again in Scripture. And I want to have that relationship where we have that effective prayer. Again, I want to have it, you know, when I think about my family. You know, let's say my son calls me up and says, Dad, you know, something terrible has happened. Here's what's going on. I need you to pray for me. And I'm like, well, I haven't really prayed very much lately. <laughs> you know, uh, it's not really my thing. Uh, I don't want that. I want to say, yeah, son, we're praying. Okay, here, here we go. I want to have that effective relationship. Okay, principle number two that I want us to think about is this. Your relationship with God affects the way that you treat other people. The way that you treat other people affects your relationship with God. Okay, very, very simply, we cannot get away from that. The Scripture tells us uh, in, the, in the book of uh, uh, James, uh, 1 John that uh, if, we, uh, we, if we say we love God but we don't love other people, we're lying. Okay, you can't compartmentalize your, your walk with God. You know, we're talking about this all through P- uh, Peter. This is a new life. This is a new you. Uh, this is life, okay? It's not Sunday morning life. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the, the, the life. We can't separate it out. We can't separate out any area. So I can't say, hey, yeah, I, uh, I sure love God, but people, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not too crazy, but I really don't like them at all. And, and so often we're in a, a, you know, a strained relationship that do, doesn't work well. Um, we're, it's like, again, and we mentioned this, but uh, the, the church of Jesus Christ is called the bride of Christ. It's kind of like we're saying to him, God, I love you but not your bride. And that's not going to fly. If you say to me, Dan, we really like you, but your wife uh, drives us crazy. You know, we like to have you over for dinner. Can you find something else for your wife to do? We don't really like her. Uh, That's not going to go very well. That is not going to sit very, very well. In fact, if you insult my wife like that, I will come back and, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. Uh, If you have (laughs) no (laughs) couldn't resist Uh, but if you have no idea what I was talking about you're a lucky person Uh, you're good but uh, you know that's just not going to fly that's not going to go we cannot separate those out if I am going to love God I am going to love others that that is how it's going to work and those two two things are connected we cannot uh, take the one without the other let's go to a third principle though your life over time We'll always speak louder than words, okay? Did you catch the phrase early in there where he said, the husband may be one without words? There are times when the best thing to do is put a halt on words. And this part I want to just kind of yak at you about, and and, uh, you are free to disagree uh, because this is kind of my thought a little bit. I uh, have the privilege and responsibility of performing a lot of Funerals and weddings, okay? Um, 
when I do that, I, I always want to share, for example, at a funeral, I always want to share that we have hope beyond this life because of what Jesus Christ did. I want to say that. At a wedding, every chance I can, I want to share that same message. However, I have a captive audience there. So I like to talk to the family and see what they want because I'm not going to, you know, yeah, and another thing. Uh, you know, I'm not going to turn the wedding ceremony into a chance for me to preach hard and uh, tell them everything, you know, unless they say, we really want you to do this. Uh, I have a wedding coming up here in a few weeks, and, you know, I, you know if, they, if that's what they want, that's what they'll get. But I, I want to be careful with the captive audience. And you could disagree with me on that. It would make sense. But what I want you to think about is in the home, you have a captive audience. And uh, I was listening to one of the guys that's on the radio, I think it was Jeremiah, he was talking about how there was a lady in his church that she would play Christian music and Christian messages all the time around home, and you know, her husband was there, she'd turn it up. <laughs> uh, he wasn't interested, so she was going to bombard him with it. That was a good way to get him to have a hobby outside the home. Uh, and that's really what happened. It, 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 didn't, it didn't win him. So I want you to remember that our life is always going to be more powerful than our words, but I think even especially in those situations where we live with somebody day in and day out, okay, our life is going to speak louder than our words. Okay, now... Let's go back to the statement, charity begins at home, and think about that for a couple minutes. Because when God is talking to his people about what the Christian life looks like, he stops and he talks to them about their home life. Okay, he stops, starts and says, wives, here you go. Husbands, here you go. Let's dig into that a little bit. That concept of respect, speak to them respectfully, is a crucial principle that God gives us because he knows how we're designed. Okay, and he knows. I uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was telling you about my incredible grip strength. Anybody remember my illustration about the grip strength? Remember, God's holding on to us. We're not holding on to Him. I'm thankful because I have wimpy grip. Uh, I have absolutely no trouble making fun of myself for my lack of biceptual or uh, anyway definition or any anything like that. In fact. Stacy brings me the next week. She brings me in this pampered chef lid opener. I was like, oh, okay, hey, that'll, that'll hear you, weakling. Take this. Uh, didn't offend me a bit. It really didn't. It, it does not offend me a bit. However, now I want you to think about this. If I walk in and I hear my wife out in the lobby saying, oh, my husband could never do that. He's so weak. <laughs> <laughs> totally different story. Uh, that is not going to fly. I am the man. Uh, like that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good making fun of myself. I'm good you making fun of me. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. But do you know what I mean? That, that important I idea. Uh, okay, Katie's not here. I was going to put her on the spot today. I, when Katie and Trey got married a little while back, I said, hey, nobody's really listening to me as a pastor uh, up here. They're just watching you get married. But I said, so I'm just going to give you one word I want you to remember. Do you by any chance remember the word I gave Katie? No, never mind. Uh, but here was her word. She was supposed to remember. <laughs> Katie, what, way to go. Did you tell her? Frances. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I said, hey, here's one word I want you to remember. I want you to remember hero. I said, Katie, somewhere somebody's going to treat out in the world, treat Trey like a hero. He, he works on the lines, restoring electricity. Man, there's a hero right there. You saved me. Uh, all the meat in my refrigerator can stay. Uh, you know, like that. He's going to be a hero. I said, make sure, Katie, that he feels like a hero for you because he needs that. 
There's no other way to say it. So that, that was the encouragement. So God you know, tells us the importance of respect. Now, you get actually into a longer list, and like I said, when it gets into what men are supposed to do, this would have been radical at the time. This would have been, wait a minute, you're giving me some responsibilities? But if you, if you look back through the text where he begins to talk about likewise husbands in verse number 7, I mean, there's some things that are you are to live with her in according to knowledge, in understanding. In other words, here, here you go, guys. Great concept. You ought to know your wife better than anybody else does. It should never be said, well, my counselor knows me better than my husband or my friends know me better than my husband because we ought to make it our project to know our wives. Know what hurts them, know what doesn't, know what helps them, know what encourages them, uh, to know them well. Uh, I heard one guy say, well, I, I knew my wife, but she's changed over the years. I want to say, duh. We all change over the years. Uh, get to know who she is now. I mean, you know, let, let's, let's, this is what we're called to do, uh, to walk together with them in love in this way by getting to know her. Learn what makes her feel cherished. Learn what makes her feel hurt. Understand these things. Honor her with my time, with my money, with my strength, with my words. Think about what a big deal this is to God. And I say that because... Uh, when God starts talking about people being leaders in the church, do you know what the first thing he says uh, is men should be husbands of one wife? Now, when you study that phrase, it really means that I am to be a one-woman man. Okay, so in other words, if, a, if somebody is a leader in the church, you don't think of them as a flirt. When you think of, uh, the, we were talking about this recently, uh, I'm, I'm spastic on Sunday mornings at church, and my wife used to say, ah, I'm going to go sit with somebody else. And uh, we had somebody come in and evaluate our church one time, and he said, you know, your wife really ought to sit with you during worship. So the poor lady has to sit there no matter what I do. Uh, but he said, people need to see your wife beside you, and it was, look, that, that's important. And honestly, that's what I wanted to be. I want you, when you think of me, you think of my wife. You don't think of uh, you know, anything like you know anything else this is an important thing this is a crucial thing that god says as far as the church is concerned we are not i mentioned in the little promo we do on on the midweek i mentioned that uh in the book pilgrim's progress uh john bunyan described a character who was a saint abroad but the devil at home and many times that can be uh, that can describe people and that's not good Okay, that's not where we want to be. So, so okay, let's, uh, let's, I'm going to throw one more thing at you. And again, this is, this is kind of me building some principles. So this isn't me saying, thus saith the Lord. But I want you to think about this idea that goes with that. Christianity does give me home. But we, we can also remember that we are responsible for actions, not the actions of others. And I, okay, here's a statement. Okay, you can, you can disagree with me if you want. I don't know that a solid marriage, I'm sorry, I don't know that a poor marriage disqualifies you from ministry. Okay, I disagree. Well, just stay with me for a second on that. Um, there might be some situations, and actually there is a great name from history, a guy by the name of John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church. He was also a leader of God used him to spark revivals across continents. Uh, John, this is a known fact from history. John did not have a very good marriage. That's an understatement. He did not have a good marriage at all. Uh, I can think of a pastor today that I won't use his name because he is still around, but, uh, but his marriage, his wife uh, lost it a little bit. And, uh, you know, they evaluate the whole situation, figured out he was doing everything that he could, and he was allowed to stay in ministry. Now, I don't know it, 
I really think that no matter what the reason, if my marriage was struggling, I would step down. I just, I don't think I could do it without my wife, to be honest with you. I'm wimpy. I can't open a jar. I can't. Uh, but, but, I, but I do want us to remember that there are sometimes, even in the relationship, oh, well, you will do everything right, but that doesn't guarantee the other person will. And I wanted to apply that for a second to, to the whole idea of child rearing and, you know, thinking about that because... You know, okay, Dan, if your kids walk away from God right now and go haywire, would you step down? I don't think I would. I don't know if the elders would ask me to. I have a 31 and a 34-year-old. At this point, by the grace of God, and I mean that very sincerely, I'm incredibly thankful they're both following God. Okay? If at some point that goes differently, uh, honestly... They're 31 and 34. I don't know how else to say that. Uh, I, can't, I can't always control that. And we have, Francis and I have some of our very best friends that we would consider to be far better Christians and far better parents than we were. And we've watched them have some kids walk away from God. And yet, what I am saying is, you know, in, in some situations here, you know, I'm preaching about Christianity begins at home. But I am not saying you're responsible for the actions of other people. Okay, and, you know, especially the older they get, move into adulthood. And, and you, you could debate that a little bit, and we could talk about that idea a little bit and how that exactly plays out in church leadership uh, because we would look at it individually. And like I said, hey, maybe, you know, something happened with one of my kids, and uh, maybe the elders would say, hey, we're not really sure we'd be in control. Here's, here's one of my thinkings here. If, if there is a uh, situation where, let, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to pick on Jim because he, he's sitting here. Jim is an elder at a church. His kids are still young. His son sitting beside him is a mess. No, I'm just kidding. I love, I love Tate. Uh, but, but seriously, if something were to happen where I see that family being strained, my first concern, and before God, my first concern is I don't want Jim to have the responsibility of church leadership right now. I want him to be able to focus on his family, okay? So that's where we go. It wouldn't be like, oh, <gasps> Tate said a bad word. You're out of here, buddy. Uh, you know, we're not really playing that game, if it makes sense, but we want to help uh, them in that way. So I think a lot of it, you have to look at the individual situation that you have, the age of the kids and everything like that, and, hey, was this a place where I was a lousy to my wife and therefore my marriage is falling apart? You have to look at all those things. I guess what I wanted to do is put this little caveat in here because my goal Honestly, it's never just, hey, let me, let me heap guilt on you. Yeah, hey, guys, your home is a mess. Uh, my, my goal is, is never, never that. I don't think that's what I'm called to do. What this passage is doing here, it is not saying, hey, here's the things that you got to do. Okay, you can come to this church, you got to do this. Here's a list of how you're supposed to behave. Remember, we started in chapter 1, and chapter 1 said, number 1, it talked about being born again. It talks about trusting in Jesus Christ for forgiveness, and then God gives you this new life. And what he's describing is, hey, this is the life that God wants to produce in your life. Okay, this is the life that the more you grow to trust him and everything like that, he enables you and he gives you the power uh, to live this out in life. That's, that's what we are called to. So I hope you pick up on that because, you know, I started a couple messages when we moved away from chapter 1 by saying, I want to make sure I say this. And now I'm going to conclude this message with, I want to make sure I say this. We are not supposed to gather together and find out a list of things to do that if we do, then we're going to keep God happy with us. Okay? The Bible says very plainly that God loved us while we were yet sinners. He does not love us. He is not good to us because we are good. He is good to us because he is good. 
that's where that is. So this isn't come together. Let me let me show you how to behave and earn your way to heaven. That would be the worst heresy I think I could preach, is to tell you that somehow we can earn our standing with God. We cannot. That price has been completely paid. You can't add to it. And we're going to talk next week about how that price has been completely paid in that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to this earth, laid down His life, a perfect sacrifice for our sin, took our sin upon Him and paid that price. And then we are going to shout and get excited and put a big smile on our faces like unbelievable the next week, and we're going to say, and not only that, He showed that He defeated sin and death and, uh, and reigns for eternity in heaven, and we're going to celebrate that. We're going to have a good time. Okay? So, you understand? Yeah. Hmm, that's like a golf clap. It was quite good. Uh, you missed that putt by that much. Uh, okay, but, but it, is on, <laughs> it is honestly uh, a burden on my heart each week I get up here to make sure that I am not communicating to you, yeah, come to church more and God will be happy with you. You know, here, that's why you're coming. I'm trying to give you a list of things to do. No, I'm trying to talk about a relationship and a walk with Jesus Christ made possible through faith in Him and a new life that He gives us that is awesome. And in one of the reasons I'm so passionate about that is I've, I've played the other game. I've played the other game where it's almost like, yeah, you go to church and, okay, what do I need to work on this week? You know, here, here's where it is. And no wonder people burn out if we hit them with that all the time. We are given new life in Jesus Christ. Is this what it looks like? Yes. But I'm not saying, you good-for-nothing, worthless people, you're not living this. What I'm saying is God has given you the power that we can live this out, okay, that we can trust Him, that we can walk with Him, that we can live through these things. That's good stuff, okay? We need to, we need to leave with a song, don't we? Yeah, you got to leave with a song. Good. Is it the sun come out out there? Nah. Uh, we we need it. We need to have to join our. Here comes Barry and Patience and and David and we're gonna. Cl- oh, I didn't pick a song, did I? You got it. They got it. <laughs> no, we're not gonna vote. Jan thinks she's in control of the church when we do that. <laughs> okay, but let let us leave with a song in our hearts and, and praise for him, Father. Oh Lord, I I've, you know I, I talked about me being a teacher today. But I'm not, a, I'm not the teacher. Your Holy Spirit is. And I pray that he would take your truth and, and yeah, I feel like I'm praying after the fact here, Lord. But well, I am praying after the fact. Lord, if, if my thoughts and my will is interjected in here, Lord, I don't want to do that. I, I ask that your Holy Spirit would take your word and teach us and continue to teach us through this week and teach us when we're in a car on the way home and teach us when we're uh, sitting at lunch and teach us throughout the day uh, what this new life in you looks like. Uh, may, we, may we respond to that well, Lord. May we follow you in obedience um, and in gratitude, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.